Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Four, three, two, one. I told you before to be careful where you put your legs. I was only trying to be helpful. I can help myself. What are you waiting for? Come on. Come on. What are you waiting for? Come on! Come on! For seven decades, Michael Caine has been among the world's most renowned and recognisable actors. It was just what I needed, a one-inch god with a two-inch penis. The star of classics like Zulu, The Man Who Would Be King and The Cider House Rules. It's a miracle no one was killed. But also films that brought his career to the brink of complete implosion. I made a mistake. Somehow, he has always found a way back. You're a big man, but you're in bad shape. With me, it's a full-time job. In this epic podcast series, we will watch and review every Michael Caine movie, from the greatest hits... You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off! ...to the incredible misses. You failed to maintain your weapon, son. And take a deep dive into the life and work of one of the world's most recognisable film stars. His name is Michael Caine, and no one will forget his name. To understand how he is made... The Mark of Cain. Well, you all settled in? Right, we can begin. For God's sake, come in! Hello and welcome to the latest episode of The Mark of Cain. What's quickly becoming our regular counselling session, actually, to help each other through the challenge of watching every Michael Cain movie in the great man's vast filmography. Some days are good days, other days are a little bit like this one. Uh, joining me on the couch, as always, is Stephen Black from Mallow News. House of Twitter satire. Um, Stephen, do you think this this whole Kane thing has roots elsewhere for us? Like, are, are our lives actually this empty now that we're watching Michael Kane movies from the early 70s now we're up to, um, like Z and Co? Well, first of all, as your patient, I must ask you to, you know, like to respect, the, you know, the, the rules and regulations of uh, patient therapist confidentiality and, of course, you must make sure not to fall in love with me. Uh, to, uh, to answer your, your question, yes, our lives are that empty. They are. They are. I think this is movie 21 since we started. Imagine. Is that a la- it's 20, 20, 21 is a bit, of a, it's a bit of a landmark number. Like, you know, we've made it this far. Yeah, keys to the door. Um, uh, doesn't sound like an escape situation, though, unfortunately. It sounds like we're, we're being locked in rather than let <laughs> out. Yeah, we're locking ourselves in more than anything. So today it's 1972. It's it's this film Z and Co. I'm I'm clinging to the fact that Get Carter was being premiered and screened across the UK um, when this movie was being filmed in London. Now, I don't know why. It just kind of reminds me of better times. Actually, did you notice in this movie? I thought anyway that Kane was basically wearing the same Get Carter suit throughout Z and Co. Yeah, more a or little, less. A, a little bit tighter across the bosoms, but yeah, practically the same the same get up. Yeah, yeah, a bit tighter. All right. Anyway, we dive in. Can we talk? We dive in, yeah, because it just occurred to me there, completely and utterly misleading movie title. Z and Co. Sounds like a musical. Mm -hmm. You know, sounds like a kind of a, kind of a, you know, like a cheery, you know, Siegfried's Follies kind of fun, enjoyable, you know, it's everybody have a big chorus line at the end. It is Mm -hmm. none of the, it's a terrible, it's a terribly misleading title because it's, this film is none of those fucking things. No, it's, it's not in any way uplifting and there's, there's not a can-can in sight, unfortunately. But anyway, we will dive in. Okay, once again, Kane is bringing us into this whole other world of Kane, this dark, 
odd, murky part of his filmography for all you all you want, like, is a plot to hang on to, to feel the ground underneath your feet. This is Kane staring opposite Elizabeth Taylor as her husband in a big, gaudy, dull, bizarre dollop of 70s kitsch. He claims the critics reviewed it as a serious drama, even though he reckoned it was a black comedy. I don't know what it is. It doesn't even know what it is itself because it has two different names. This is X, Y, and Z, but also known as Z and Co. <laughs> oh, my Bobby drunk. <laughs> You got what you wanted, didn't you? Well, I was drunk and out of my senses. Last night didn't mean a thing. Oh, yes, it did. But you're too big a phony to admit it. Oh, baby, 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 it's you, it's you, baby, it's you. Shut up! This is Z and her husband, Robert. For them, marriage is an intimate game in which cheating is sometimes allowed. And you love it, you love it, love it! That's why you're still here. You love the uncertainty. You- now, where to begin, Stephen? Oh, mercy me. Where to begin? Where to begin? Where do you want to go with this? All right. I, I, first of all, this does what, what I hate most about uh, some movies is that it brings me to the theater by stealth. This is, for all intents and purposes, a fucking play. And you you know my long-held belief that the theater no longer needs to be a thing. Look, it was granted its day. People used to go. They used to see plays. Oh, well and good. Then we invented something called cinema, mm-hmm. where you could go and see many different plays, but with greater scope. And yes, this still limps along in the background there. You know, you still keep people go, oh, well, you have to go to the theater, you have to, you have to see such and such uh, Bumberland Wonderbitch fucking playing Frankenstein one night and Johnny Lee Miller playing Frankenstein the next day. Oh, isn't it wonderful? I don't fucking care. It's like classical music. Jesus Christ, lads. It was wonderful. It is time. We didn't have the Beatles back in the fucking uh, 17th, 18th century, lads. That's why people listen to classical music. However, you know, 20, 20th, 21st century now, maybe, you know, fucking updated a little bit. I'm going off an attention here. I just want to get this off my chest. Fucking university challenge annoys the balls off. <laughs> the only, the only, the only chance I ever, uh, the only chance I ever get of answering a question really outside the, the random fucking guess uh, is music round. And my heart sink every time, you, you know, team, both teams, you're about to hear a piece of classical music. You're like for fuck's sake, nobody cares. Nobody cares about classical music. Fucking, nobody cares if John Virgin from fucking Pigmouth fucking university fucking, England knows Rachmaninoff's fucking fifth fucking concerto in B minor or whatever. Classical music is only of value to serial killers, uh, detectives who pursue serial killers, and uh, famous physicists who have degenerative diseases. That's it. As far as I'm concerned, fucking plug in the popular music into University Challenge, get rid of all the classical music. We don't need it. And I realise as part of this, uh, youth, I don't mean we should euthanize Marty Whelan and all of Lyric <gasps> FM. That's fine. That's fine. There's lots of people who need the company when they're about to dump a body up the, the Wicklow Mountains. That's fine. It has its place. But for everything else, just... Anyway, what are we talking about? All what I was just, your question? All, all, all I'll say is there, there's so much to unpack there. And I'll be dead honest, there's an awful lot of stuff there. I don't even want to get near the suitcase, to be brutally honest. I just want to say you don't enjoy the intimacy of the theatre, the opportunity to see actors doing their, you know, see their craft, see them up close. I can sit in the front row of a cinema and I can see them up close. Yeah, but this is like, it's, 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 film surely is a more artificial medium where you can, you can cut up a performance and create a performance from a variety of different takes. Whereas when you see the theatre, 
when you see the theater, it's what you got one shot at it, and if you screw it up, you screw it up, and if you make it, you, you make it. You one shot, but you look into the dead eyes of a performer who's been saying the same lines fucking day in day out for months and ends. There's 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 a level of artificial uh, art, artifice there as well, oh ah, and as well they build it around the fact that they know people can't fucking stand it because they have fucking bars in theaters because they know right get people tanked up beforehand so they know you know that'll get them through it and then they have an intermission because they know they have to lift people out to get tanked up to get them through the second half. I just like to point out at this stage that you once worked in a cinema where I would attend occasionally, perhaps purchase a cola on the way in. And oftentimes while watching the movie, you would arrive in with a little something to, let's say, Irish it up a little bit, whether I wanted it or not. So were you also suggesting that I needed alcohol to get through watching a movie in the cinema in that in that moment? Yeah, well, pretty much, yeah. Okay, so what's your point? Uh, that was more for my own amusement, to be honest with you. Okay, fair enough. Well, look... I think there's an awful lot of stuff there you need to get off your chest. Uh, I, feel glad, I feel better. I'm, I'm glad we could be here for you. I'd say, you know, our listener is thrilled, I'd say, to have to have listened to all of that. Thanks, um, Pat. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's, there, 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 there's, a lot, there's a lot there to chew over, Stephen, I'll say that much. And I will agree with you on one thing. It is pretty much a piece of theatre, isn't it? It's two people. It's basically Taylor and Kane at each other and various other people kind of getting involved here and there, but essentially it's them. And it's it's just freaking nuts. It's mad. It's loud. There's lots of fighting. Bit of bit of slapping around. Um, you know, maybe there's a little bit of too much of that, maybe, but yeah, it's just basically the two of them chewing up the screen. Uh, so a, a bit too much. So you should just go into the you have a tolerance level for domestic abuse in movies. I would uh zero. Uh zero, zero, absolutely zero. <laughs> <laughs> and moving swiftly on. Um, <laughs> the plot, will we tell the people what this horror is all about? Uh, I think so, yeah. I think, that, again, if they haven't watched it, you might as well put them out of their misery and not make them go through one hour and 47 minutes of this muck. Yeah, we can save you. We can, this this is going to save you an awful lot of pain and suffering. So, Z and Co. We're going to call it Z and Co. It's got two names. It doesn't even know what it is. Two titles. We're just going to call it Z and Co. So, anyway, Z is the title character. She's played by Elizabeth Taylor. She's a loud, brash socialite. Married to an architect, Robert, played by McCain, whose marriage kind of survives really on the energy generated by their like constant verbal sparring and fights that range from screaming matches to frantic suitcase packing to proper slaps and wheeling back then towards fairly ferocious makeup sex. Although there was one moment, um, you know, kind of pre-makeup sex where Kane sticks his finger in Liz Taylor's ear. So I'm not really sure what was happening there. Anyway, movie kind of goes along. They're at a party uh, starring a wonderful sitar band, I have to say. When Robert is attracted to another woman, Stella, who's played by Susanna York, who was last seen kind of in Kane's proximity, as in she was in the same movie as him, not necessarily the same scenes, if I recall rightly, in the Battle of Britain. Anyway, in this movie, she's a she's a fashion designer, isn't it, I think? But the chat-up lines are awful. He takes a shine for the chat-up lines are terrible. He asks her, are you a lady of leisure? And, you know, within 30 seconds, reveals himself as pretty much a monster. But somehow, uh, he wangles a dinner date, even after Stella has met his clearly unhinged wife. Um, so there's a date uh, between Stella and Robert, some very rough kissing. Um, so the affair begins. Liz Taylor, uh, Z, cottons on fairly quickly to what's happening, tries some kind of passive sabotage, breaks up a planned dinner, which moves on to a pretty rough fight where Kane ties Taylor up and actually ends up with Taylor seducing him. Uh, there's more scrapping. We meet Stella's two really bizarrely posh kids. Uh, the father is dead or something. It doesn't really matter. Clearly, something's going on with her. She's kind of quick to cry and generally just a bit odd. 
Um, but it's completely bewildering that she's having an affair uh, with him. It, it makes no sense whatsoever, really. Long story short, anyway, uh, Robert Kane um, decides to leave Z. Uh, she reacts pretty negatively. Uh, she cuts her wrists. Um, but uh, no, he's shacked up with Stella. He starts to lose interest. So he moves on to the secretary at work. Um, Z was found by Robert in the bath with, with the wrist cut. Um, so she's in the hospital now and Stella pays her a visit. In the course of their conversation, Z realizes that Stella uh, was also attracted to women. And uh, so uses this uh, towards the end of the film. She lands over uh, to Stella and Robert's new place and effectively seduces uh, Stella. Robert comes back to the gaff, realizes what's been going on. And Z asks him, uh, well, are you coming with me? We don't find out. And I'm going to give you three options. Why? Because A, the film ends on that cliffhanger. B, I dozed off towards the end. Or C, I just threw the monitor out the window. All uh, answers are uh, are valid. Yes. All options are valid there. Yeah. Uh, it's a bewilderingly boring slog uh, of a movie. I uh. experienced, uh, I think I had uh, three out-of-body experiences watch, watching this. as My soul tried to escape through my eyes and float <laughs> above my body in order to stop watching it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why this is. I know it's based on an Edna O'Brien book, mm-hmm. uh, which is nice, I guess. Um, but in terms of how that's translated into the screen, it's dull, I suppose. Again, which I think is the worst offense you can ever give to a movie. It can be bad, but it can be entertaining. But this is bad mm-hmm. and it's dull. Uh, nobody, nobody here. You're not rooting for anybody here. Not that you really necessarily have to, but everybody. This is so appalling. I mean, fucking Kane is just a misogynist pig. Liz Taylor is is, is just poisonous, um, and Susanna York is just drippy wallpaper. And yeah, they're essentially the-, the three people that. Yeah, they had another drippy wallpaper character for her. Just uh, that they're basic. They're essentially the only people on the screen. You get a couple of. Uh, very stereotypical homosexual characters in there who come straight from the Hello Ducky stable of 1960s and 70s uh, homophobia. Um, the ending makes no sense. The seduction of Z, that our, our, Elizabeth Taylor's seduction of your one towards the end is gross. Again, the kissing scenes are gross. I, I really hope, I, this is another thing I, 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 I guess to say, but I really hope we have some attractive kissing scenes with Michael Caine at some stage during the uh, this podcast. Oh, but I like to see, I, I, I look forward to seeing him kiss a woman and not kind of go, this is an awful lot like that scene in Alien where the face hugger is basically spunking down John Hart's throat. Yeah. Because this is essentially whenever he was kissing uh, Liz Taylor, it was essentially, you could almost see, the, you could just see, just looked like he was feeding her regurgitated food. It was just, it was, it was, just repugnant. It's uh, the sees the domestic violence as a as a gateway to uh, for as a, a, a domestic violence is foreplay. Essentially, in this is pretty fucking uh, bizarre from from the female writer's perspective. Fairly fucking weird, I guess. Mm-hmm. Whether it's internalized misogyny in the brain's part, I would fucking doubt. Uh, we don't know what was on the page and how that ended up on screen because there's very little information about this. I think um, it's fair to say, on, in Edna O'Brien's defense, it has to be said at this point that she she wrote, wrote the script, um, but then there was multiple rewrites and she was very cross with the tacking on or the sort of, yeah, the tacking on of this kind of weird lesbian uh, love triangle at the end. Uh, she, she wasn't pleased at all with the outcome. So I think it's only fair to say yeah. that. 
Yeah, and I mean, they, it, it, for that perspective, like it's, I mean, that's if that's the hook of the film, it that aspect takes up, I'd say, about seven minutes of screen time, and it's yeah. towards the end. There is no undercurrent. Uh, I mean, you'd see like between any of the characters, there is no chemistry. There is zero no. chemistry. It is looking you're looking at an inert beaker of different elements that are just not reacting with each other at all. Uh, I think. I, I, I can I, I, for this to work, I guess, at any level that would have helped if you if you saw some sort of, you know, violent passion between McKay and Liz Taylor. It's just not there. Uh, Eddie York, again, has no screen chemistry uh, with him. Just I, I kind of I, I've yet to see a movie with Suzanne York and, uh, where I've been convinced that wow this is this is mm-hmm. a real screen talent. It's she's just banal. But sure, the the role does her no favors either. She's this this weird weeping uh, willow with uh, a kind of mysterious past. Which you know, it turns out that she kissed she she much like Katy Perry. She kissed a girl she liked it, but she got expelled from school. Yeah, um, that's pretty much it. Her, it, her, her, her interactions with like. Z, Liz Taylor's character essentially does everything she can to break up the relationship from staging a car crash to uh, attempting suicide. And yes, they still have incredibly civil conversations and Suzanne York still ends up getting seduced by her. I mean, it's... Oh, it makes, makes absolutely no, no sense. No sense, no no sense, sense. at all. So I presume you would disagree with Kane's assertion that this movie was a little bit ahead of its time, that people weren't ready for these kind of... Uh, this kind of a subject matter and this this treatment of a subject matter like this, I I wouldn't agree with him at all because I've read his book and I don't think he saw the movie because right. Kane describes this mo- movie. He says I uh, most of my scenes were with Elizabeth Taylor as this is mostly about her relationship with Susanna York and his uh, character was very much the the third wheel in this uh, love triangle. Uh-huh. Uh, so he's I don't know whether or not he was uh, kind of imagining a more erotic scenario. Uh, this book, but it certainly isn't. I mean he's spends an equal amount of time with Susanna York. Well, not an equal, but close to an equal amount of time with Susanna York's character in this. Exactly. Uh, and he, he, he says it's all about uh, Liz Taylor leaving him for Susanna York, which is does not, not happen. And it's nowhere close to what happens in this movie. Not so, at all. Like, I mean, he, he seems to be very confused, so, because we, you can put more meat on the bones of his, of, of, of his understanding of the movie. I remember seeing an interview with him from around this period, it's on YouTube. You can find it with Dick Cavett, and he talks about Z and Co as well. And you can see that he's he's landed in the states. And I think, if my memory is right, the East Coast critics were giving it a bit of a, a, a decent reviews, and the West Coast critics were hammering it, or maybe it was the other way around. It doesn't really matter. It was a 50-50 split. And Kane's point was that uh, actually this was quite this is quite a hilarious uh, thing because you know it's, it's quite a funny film. And you should be able to see a lot of yourself in it, and and uh, maybe that's why people are being, re- you know, are giving it negative reviews. That uh, that almost that they were they were um, they were looking at they were they were watching a movie that he thought was a kind of like more of a black, a black comedy, as opposed to some class of a drama which was being reviewed as. So like he seems completely confused about what the movie is even about, which which is kind of um, which says volumes really about the film itself. And volumes, uh, speaking of volumes, you have to, I suppose, bear in mind his intake of alcohol at this stage in his career was quite uh, Herculean-like. So, it is, it, you know, it, it is defence. It's hard to remember the exact details of everything that's happened when you are plowing through three bottles of vodka a day. Yeah, I think... This is was, my understanding. As is your understanding. I think, I think, uh, I think Shakira, uh, 
his wife had come on the scene or was coming on the scene around now anyway. So I'm not look, we don't know no, the exact no, no, after 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 it, they didn't meet until after he'd filmed it. Did they not? Did they not? Okay. Well then he was well then he was in the then he was rightly in the alcoholic weeds, as it were, if that was the case. His performance, um there's definitely, as you mentioned there at the top, or in intimated at the top, there was more of him uh in every which way. He's on screen more uh time wise and physically, you'd have to say. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, look, I'm not going to body shame Michael Kim. No, I'm no. Gonna, I'm gonna, but I'm going to put it in the context of myself. I'm not I'm not a, sl- a slimmer, slender man, so I'll put my hand up there. So this is therefore giving me the ability to go down and body shame body again. Shame. He's, he's, put on a, he's put on a fair bit of timber since, since, the, pre, uh, since the previous role. Um, and I mean, it's, it is, you could say it is actually for this role because Liz Taylor does slag, slag him about his weight in terms of, you know, like it's all the fried food because of his working class background, bread and dripping. Yep. Fried breakfast. So, I mean, you, you could say he did it for the role, but there's no way he did it for the role. Oh, no. Well, I mean, we've seen the 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 seeds of this were sown in Get Carter. We could see a little extra cane uh, in Get yeah. Carter. I mean, the character is kind of pretty much kind of, you know, it's in that line of Alfie. The guy he played in the Megas was a bit of a git as well. He was a git. And it, to a lesser extent, I thought Carter. Actually, it was interesting. He refused to be filmed nude for this movie. Um, I'm not going to do the quote in... In, in, in a Cockney accent, but I can tell you, I'd say it sounds hilarious if it was done in a proper Cockney accent. He says, uh, I've never been fully nude on screen because I don't believe I have anything that anyone would be interested in seeing. Nudity isn't interesting unless a girl's in dressing for me, comma, personally. I mean, at least he's honest. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, he, he, he is um, he is wife-fronted in this movie. Uh, he gets out of bed at one point in there and we do see a little, little band at the top of a away fronts, but that's that's about uh, that's about as intimate as it gets with Kane on that one. Yeah, I kind of wonder was there was a big uh, was there a coterie of uh, Kaniacs in uh, uh, in London or in the UK and around the world who were just dying for a glimpse of his Icarus file uh, throughout the years and were bitterly disappointed when none was forthcoming. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, uh, he's, he's a sex symbol. He is a sex symbol. I know this is. I know you have an issue getting your head around this, but Kane in 1971 was a sex symbol. Yeah, uh, what, what exactly was the symbol? Well, what I don't know. He was, he, people, people found him sexy, didn't they? They liked him. Yes, with the hooded eyes, the that sort of inscrutable charm, tall, you know. Yeah, no, yeah, the, manly, yeah no, manly. The, manly, I suppose. Yeah, you, you look at him and you can almost smell the cigarettes and brute, you know. <laughs> yeah. He certainly can. He wasn't first choice for this movie either. Peter O'Toole was the first choice. But, you know, in typical Kane fashion, when Peter O'Toole wisely knocked it back, um, playing opposite Liz Taylor uh, was apparently his main reason for taking the role on. You know, again, you know, did you read the script? Well, he was friendly with Edna O'Brien, so maybe he did read the script. He, has he did. Insisted- he, did. He, he, he said, yeah, what, he, what his agent said, look, it's with uh, Liz Taylor. He said, yes, I'll do it. But then, to be sure, he, he read the script. And that there was no red flags there for him. Well, maybe he read Ed O'Brien's version of the script. Maybe he didn't see maybe the, did. uh, the rest of it. Speaking yeah. of um, speaking of Kane and and more of Kane, we got some athletic Kane in this movie. Uh, the opening credits are a game of ping pong between Kane and Taylor. Um, and now we we have we have reflected on Kane's athletic prowess in the past. I'm thinking of Hurry Sundown back in the uh, back in the mid '60s when he was throwing a baseball. Not exactly, uh, he, he wasn't exactly the best at it, let's say. How long do you, how long do you think it might have taken to get the ping pong scene right? Uh, 
I'd say there was an awful lot left on the cutting room floor. I say it was just single shots of somebody just set a taping a ping pong to his uh, to a ping pong ball to his uh, his racket and just make, getting to do swiping motions, <laughs> and then just cut cut to Liz Taylor doing the same. Yeah, you weren't you weren't a fan of the opening credits. Oh, that's fucking! What a way to start a movie and get the audience offside immediately. I mean, the director's probably going, "Well, you know, what would what, what is marriage like? It's it's, it's a battle, isn't it? It's a game." It's a game. What kind of game would best display a combative relationship? Uh, hungry hippos. No, that possibly wasn't invented in 1972. Uh, quite. Uh, lacrosse. No, it's more of a team sport. Uh, I know. Table tennis. Mm-hmm. Table tennis really gets And you get across the, the kind of manic laughter uh, from Liz Taylor, who, to be fair, and at first, again, does does not leave a scene unshooed in this movie. No, she um, gives it socks all the way, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah. I am acting all the time, and I am turning my head like I'm permanently watching a game at Wimbledon. Yeah, it's incredible. She never lets up. It's about no. the only what you could once you once you get into the swing of it and realize the film is complete crap, and it doesn't really matter yeah. why she's doing it. Just watching her doing it is actually the most entertaining thing of the entire. Oh movie. Jesus! She must have been she must have been wrecked from just turning oh. her head, packing yeah. the suitcase. Oh, the suitcase packing uh, was exhausting, wasn't it? It's just like three, three scenes of this movie where she's just trying. Like, would she not just keep a separate suitcase packed? It would have been far more efficient. It, it would appear to be that sort of relationship, but maybe it needed the suitcase packing. You know, the relationship needed the flinging of just a million dresses and caftans, lots of caftans. Into, she, she wanders around. She wanders around the place dressed like Snoop Dogg at a pimp convention. <laughs> and our, it looking really like, does. Yeah, uh, 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 and the other, uh, yeah, the other half of the time, she's she looks like fucking uh, like a Hobbit Brian May, a big yeah. mane of fucking curly hair on top of her. He's fucking whip out a guitar and start doing the solo from "We Will Rock You." Oh God! And there is actually speaking of rock, there is some rock again, a recurring motif. Um, there's this. Awful rock music, um, that they that that they play constantly. Yeah, thanks, Rick Rick Wake, Wakeman, uh, uncredited. Um, was that was that Rick Wakeman's Rick, piece? Was it Rick Rick Wakeman and John Mayer both were uh, uh party music, uh, uncredited for party music. So neither one of them really wanted their name associated with it afterwards. But it's wow. very much in the yeah 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 kind of rock uh, fucking banal background. It's like a bunch of uh, session musicians in their fifties were forced to play the. The forbidden music of yeah. the day. Yeah. I instructed possibly to just, just bang your guitar off your face. Yeah. Yeah. See what happens. Headbutt the snare drum. Like the sitar music is, I mean, this is, I'm again, again, in keeping with the time, a band plays, no one dances in time to the band as well at, at that party scene where the, where Stella and Robert and Z all meet up for the first time. Just, you know, Oh, and even everyone else at the ancillary characters, whatever. There's like there's some doll in it who looks like fucking Harpo Marx. Yeah, uh, <laughs> just comes on and just you know, gives these kind of the usual fucking thing in these movie, uh, these type of movies or places. Everybody's delightfully acerbic and upper middle class, and you know we're all professional adulterers because basically that's what we spend most of our spare time doing. It's like fucking you know. Whatever our day job is, that really doesn't take up much time. Uh, but we, we really throw ourselves into uh, extramarital affairs. My assumption is that most parties are like that. And anytime I see these, is I'm just so glad I don't get invited to cocktail parties. If that's that's probably it. it's Zatar bands and Harpo Marks going around trying to get married couples together. That's essentially what happens. And sausage rolls. 
Sausage roll. Well, I mean, sausage rolls are always welcome. But yeah, that's yeah well, that's true. Yeah, I like a sausage roll. Um, Liz Taylor, right? Oh, yeah. And one other thing, actually, uh, as I mentioned, I think in the last one, in the Get Carter podcast, he's off the fags. And you'll note, I think he's either a truth or a little cigar he's smoking. Health conscious cane. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, health conscious came one hundred percent. Yes, I, I, I would completely believe that he's off the facts uh, at this stage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Liz Taylor's craziness, like for this, um, for this movie, she had it written into the contract that she didn't need to rock up to set till ten a.m. So everyone else was there, including Kane, like at half the date. Um, tea break was bloody Mary break for Liz, um, and which was all fine. She seems to have gotten on fine with everybody. She was clearly the star. Um, there was some weariness, all right, I think, from Kane's point of view at the entourage after a while, the limos, the constant sort of in the run up to 10 a.m., the constant sort of she's out of the hotel, she's in the limo, they're at the traffic lights outside and so on and so forth. But generally, they got on fine. The only thing was she had to stand on boxes, all right, to match his height or to get up a bit higher because she's so small. But yeah, she plays it to the total in her hilt at the time. Did you actually... Like, you know, we're giving out mad. Did you actually enjoy her performance on any level whatsoever? Or was it just like nails down a blackboard for most of the time? Nails on a blackboard from a performance level. Like, I I tried to think back to movies that I enjoyed her in, like the ones when she was younger, like maybe like International Velvet, that, um, that kind of era. But I think the older she got, the worse her performance got, and kind of more dramatic and just really over the top. Very much of an old Hollywood kind of, everything has to be, you know, shouted and uh overplayed and over exaggerated yeah uh, so i've it, it, for me very much there was very little to enjoy from anyone's performance it's even keynes is like fucking oh, it's, this it's, is a pure plug this is a pure plug it in play no we don't need to rehearse lads that uh, we, we'll jam and actually yeah and actually you know he does a not a lot of shouting like he, he kind of in terms of the madness he holds his own with taylor like in that regard like i mean if she goes like, if she turns it up to 10 he turns it up to 10 and they do kind of, they, they riff away off each other. I'm saying all this in the context of this being a terrible movie, by the way. No, but So when I say they're riffing off each other, it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not like you're watching De Niro and Pacino in action. It's just that they sort of, um, he doesn't. They shout, over, they shout at each other. Yeah, they shout at each other. Yeah, and it works. Yeah. It works away at grand, like, for, for whatever. Of course, when you, when you get Taylor, you get Burton as well at this, at, at this era, which is interesting because, obviously, McCann and Burton would have been kind of contemporaries coming up through. Burton obviously would have been way ahead of him in terms of star, stardom and so on and so forth. But the, he had met Richard Burton once before. Um, Burton had obviously done done Hamlet. Kane had seen him doing Hamlet, and Kane was impressed for whatever reason at the speed of Kane of, of Burton's Hamlet. So he said to him, uh, whenever he met Burton, he said, uh, "Richard, uh, I loved your Hamlet. It was the fastest I'd ever seen." Uh, again, I wish I could do. I wish I could do a good uh, Welsh accent, but I can't, so I won't. Burton's reply was, uh, the pub's closed at 10.30. Well, uh, uh, a good line, but I, if, if I can help you with your Welsh accent, if you want to try that again, is to use the cane approach of go for Indian and just pass it off as Welsh. Pub's closed at 10.30. That's terrible. That's enough to get you cancelled. It's great. It is. Just that little, just that little snip. It's a pure Mike, Mike, Mike Reed at a UKIP concert. <laughs> I tell you what I'd like to I tell you what I'd like to see. I would love to see of all the great Kane impersonators and so on and so forth, I would like to see Rob Brydon actually do that back and forth between Mick Kane and Richard Burton about Burton's fast Hamlet. You get, you know, the fastest I've ever seen, Richard. Pubs close at 10 30. 
fantastic. You, you see, you, you see, if you let yourself go, you just you just inhabit the, the characters there, and yeah, you're too terrible. self-conscious about it. It was terrible. It was terrible. <laughs> do you want to hear what happened at the Christmas party when they all met up? Uh, I do. Yes. Well, there was a rap party for Zine Code. It happened to be kind of coming up to Christmas of '71. Came out in '72. The movie. So, uh, so obviously Liz was there, and Richard turned up for a couple of gats, a couple of drinks. Uh, so King went over to Richard and wished him a happy Christmas. <laughs> Burton just looked at him and said, why don't you go fuck yourself? I mean, where do you go from there? Not, not an awful lot. It's not, it, yeah, there's not an awful lot your friendship can go from there, really, is it? It's just back to the bar, hey. I think. Just back, yeah. back, back, straight back to the bar. So that was, uh, that was Kane and Richard Burton. Uh, Kane, uh, you know what? I was thinking of going down the road and looking at Kane feuds, but you know what? He had a bit of a, an in and out with Richard Harris, but other than that, yeah, Kane's a, such a likable chap. I mean, who's going to feud with Kane? Nobody. I mean, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, just one thing briefly to go cover. There was a hilarious kind of montage in in, in this movie where uh, McCain's character and Susanna York uh, piss off to Scotland for a, a romantic weekend. And it is essentially, again, going back to Athletic Kane, watching him clamber over the rocks <laughs> yeah, at yeah. this lake with all the athletic grace of a mountain goat on ketamine. He's just... <laughs> You nearly expect just to see an extra's hand just come out of shot. The director's hand just come out of just copies arse and just give him a, 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 a over over a rock, you know. And it's shot in the same way as that that my lovely horse video from Father Ted. Yeah, it's like it's just these athletic cane again. So like we know in the course of of the last twenty odd movies, we have athletic cane. We have we have pretty much the inability to throw a baseball. We have quite clearly. I mean, I I I would need. To see the, I do not believe that he he could play ping pong the way he plays ping pong at the beginning of this movie. Not a chance, so, no. not a hope, like not a hope. And you are quite right in that scene <laughs> in Scotland. Clamber. I think he, t- I think he manages two two steps before he starts slipping and sliding on the rocks, a, trying to grab at Susanna York to save him. There's a stripper with an oxygen tank just there beside him. Just, <laughs> it's just. It's just don't forget the don't forget the 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 closing scene of Get Carter where he's chasing uh, your man across the 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 beach in Newcastle oh and it, like it looks like it's in slow motion. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's it really is. Two men in their late thirties, um, and also like it's early seventies, late thirties, which is like twenty yeah. first century mid fifties, seventies, no seventies. Well, if you like, yeah, and I mean we're there's we're struggling, we're struggling here now. Just uh, so we don't forget, uh, we shouldn't let Brian Hutton, the director, off the hook here. This is a man who directed uh, Where Eagles Dare and Kelly's Heroes, so more of an action uh, aficionado here. A lot like really uh, Zack Schneider deciding to fucking direct Uncle Vanya. Uh, there is zero flair. Everything is flat. Everything is a, is a close-up of the stars. You get no sense of yeah. scope. It's just dreadful. And it's pretty much, I don't say we killed his career, but there are, he's very few kind of directing credits after this. Yeah, Kane says he's one of the funniest, funniest men he ever knew. Uh, and hilarious on set. Wonderful to set a nice atmosphere. Oh, hashtag Bance. Yeah, yeah. Early 70s Bance. Can you, you can only, the mind boggles. The mind boggles. Yeah. Um, it was, I mean, a couple of other small bits of, of, of interest. Like Edna O'Brien script got £69,000. So £69,000 in pounds in nineteen seventy. Very nice. 1971. That bought her a six-bedroom house on Carlisle Square in Chelsea in London. This house became quite renowned um, as a sort of party central um, and kind of her, her home in London for a long, long time. 
um, that house now would cost something around 10 million or something like that. Like I said earlier on, she, uh, she was very annoyed that the lesbian love triangle was kind of tacked on at the end and there was a lot of rewriting of the script, but you know, Hey, six bed house, you know, but there's no fucking lesbian love triangle in this at all. I don't ah, know. What I mean. It feels like an, a, an afterthought the way that they play. Oh yeah. By the way, we should probably have Z seduced as any York's character in order to completely, uh, ruin the relationship that the, that the, the burgeoning relationship with the husband, even though that it's the relationship is already on the rocks and he's moved on to the secretary. It's, like this got good reviews in places. I, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. And let me just go back to that. Leslie. I mean, I, I have started since beginning this process with you and listening to how you kind of work through plots and what, what you look for. Right. I have started to do this, which is I'm looking at certain things that happen in a movie and going, if that wasn't there, would it make any difference to the movie? And in Kane movies so far, we're finding that a lot of the time, a lot of what would be considered the key stuff doesn't need to be yep. there at all. It, it has no yep. bearing whatsoever on the plot. And this is another classic example. Like, didn't need uh, Z oh. to seduce Stella. Didn't need this kind of this kind of free son of of, of lesbianism. No, not at all. Anywhere. No, no. Pointless. No, and like, like if, I, if I can fucking paraphrase Sam Cook and say, don't know much about sex geometry, but this is no, this is not a lesbian love triangle. No, it's not. It's not. You're quite right. You're quite right. I've overextended myself mathematically on that one. It's it's not at all. It's just a pointless flat line of a plot kind of diversion that doesn't need to be there at all. You're quite right. It got good review, mixed reviews, but good reviews. It was actually nominated for a Golden Globe, best English language. Well, that, that means nothing. That means nothing. That means nothing. Golden Globes, the British, uh, or sorry, the Hollywood Foreign Press. Uh, just dreadful, uh, an excuse for um, elderly men to um, rub themselves off attractive young women. Oh, God. Right. So what have we gone through with this? So the theatre has been, has been you've cancelled the theatre. You've- I haven't cancelled it. I just said it, it, it plays no role, in okay. uh, appropriate role in modern culture. Okay. You've shut down the theatre. You've shut down okay, the I think, I think, I think I think you'll find the coronavirus has done that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, you've, you've run a line through the theatre. You've run a line through the Golden Globes and you run a line through something else that I've actually just forgotten. What was the other thing you ran a line classical, through? Classical music. Oh, classical music. That was it. Classical music. Man, there's a lot to unpack there. A lot to unpack. I don't know if this was a hit or not. I don't really care either. Do you know? I was trying to look at the box office of this. I think it's one of those things that people don't like to talk about. It, so it's probably oh, a tax write-off for the, for the production company or the, yeah. the film studio at the time. A pretty repulsive film. Um, Mark Soda Kane, as always, we're not marking the film, we're marking Kane's performance. Um, I'm going to let you, 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 you lead off on this one. Yeah, much much like the 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 finger, the amount of fingers he used to stick in Liz Taylor's ear uh, as, a, as a means of foreplay here, I'll give it up one. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I'm going to stop you there now because this is a landmark moment here now. I'm going to stop. This now, if, you, if you're saying one, this is the lowest mark you've given him in the entirety of the first twenty odd films of his career that were covered. Yes, I fuck, I fucking hated this with a, with a fiery intensity. This is mm. this was an awful experience for me. I had to watch this in multiple sittings because I found myself like chewing through my fingers, waiting for each scene to end. I hated it. I hated it so much. I really, this is like the Abu Ghraib of movies for me. It was like instead of Barney being fucking blasted through uh, the theme from Barney being blasted through my fucking ears, this was essentially just the most god awful, hammy, pointless sub two hours of my life. Uh, I, I, I go back maybe to the leaving surf where I experienced such an uncomfortable long period of time. I would say that if you ever in your life ever get to meet or have any contact with Kane. I'd say of all the things you'll ask him, it's possibly why did you do Z and Co? 
Why did you? Why did you do that? I Explain to me why did you upset me? No, 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 no. Because I think there's lots of other things. Why did you do X, Y, and Z? I would be asking about seeing. Uh, uh, is he in court? I'd be asking him to do his Welsh accent for me. That'd be. <laughs> I, I, I'd hand I'd hand him a baseball and I'd say, "Throw this and give me your best Welsh, Welsh accent, please." <laughs> that sounds that sounds much. So he can spend 50 percent of fifty percent of his brain on throwing the baseball, fifty percent of his brain on doing the accent. That is right, because that is how much he spends doing accents, isn't it? Fifty percent of his yep. his his performance kind of mentality is on the accents. Will we move along from this weirdness? Are we done? Is that else you want to say about this horror? No, show? no. Well, I mean, this is a democracy, so I suppose you you better give your own mark. Oh yeah, you know? I I, say, I I wouldn't have gone one. I I would have probably gone four or three or something. But you're 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 an angry man about this. So I'm I'm going to give way to your anger on this. I'm going to give way to your anger, and I'm going to give it. I, I'll go with your one or your two. I, I I don't think he's that. He does his best. Well, maybe instead of trying his best, he should have stayed at home pulling his roses. Mm, yeah, he actually bought a big. That's not a euphemism. That's not a euphemism. Just explain it. To <laughs> yeah, no, he should have actually just pruned his. Oh, lad, you never know. I was at home the other day pruning my roses, and my <laughs> old one walked in. And I got this script for this film, and I saw Liz Taylor, and it got me pruning the roses a bit more vigorously. But then I got sense, and I actually read it. I mean, can you believe I actually read the script? Well, I can't. And to well, the I job did, like, reading it. Shocking. Yeah, he'd actually bought a he'd he'd bought a big slab of big big slab of land and a big pile of bricks. Mill house. Slab of land and pile of bricks. Yeah. Slab of land, pile of bricks. It's architecture talking again. I think we had some architecture talking on, on Kidnapped as well. Here's more of it. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Mill House in Windsor. He had to sell it some years later um to Jimmy Page. It was actually where John Bonham died. No, you're a Zeppelin fan. John Bonham died yes. at Millhouse. So that's that's where Ken was was at. It wasn't like he needed the money. He didn't need to do, do Z and Co for any reason whatsoever. Just just the opportunity to start with Liz Taylor at the peak of her powers. The one thing that struck across my mind before we leave this this wreck was that maybe was there there must have been a bit of him going. He'd go back to the lads that he grew up with in the East End and go, Liz Taylor, lads, Liz Taylor. Maybe. Yeah, do you imagine he does? He has uh, has a lot of those gatherings where he goes back to <laughs> an ever decreasing circle of cocky uh, barrow friends. Yeah, uh, give, rip him about his Hollywood career, but se- secretly uh, jealous, but also want to hear all the ins and outs. So, uh, hopefully, literally, ins yeah. and outs of his uh, dabbling in uh, Hollywood. Yeah, I'd say I'd say they're all sitting around with jelly deals, having a big old chat about mixed latest escapades. That that yeah. would be a regular monthly thing, a monthly thing in the Elephant and Castle. That's my that's my imagination. Anyway, let's move away from the weirdness. Unless you've anything left to say about this horror show? Nothing. No, no. I, I, if I do, we can always do it as a complicated drop-in later on. Yes, we can. We certainly can. We'll move along, okay, from this weirdness, hopefully to some, something less head-wrecking. I think we know better. Next up is Paul Kane is back with the guest character director, Mike Hodges. It's a comedy drama, though I think at this stage we know that those sort of labels are becoming quite redundant. I had a fast look at the plot. And it's about a writer of fairly leery pulp fiction books. Stay with me. It's the type, the type that would have been kind of gloried in by Tarantino many years later. One alias that Kane's character uses is S. Adami. So Lord knows where he's taking us. But M- Mickey Rooney is in it. Mickey Rooney. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? Absolutely nothing at all. Go watch. Paul Pashi is quite well regarded back up. It's a bit of a what we would call in the business a cult classic. So go have a look at it, see what you think of it, and we will come back here next time and get stuck into pulp.
And as usual, if you have any questions, hit us up on Twitter at MarkWithCain2. Don't forget to like and subscribe on the platforms that allow that kind of thing. And we will see you next week. See you. Bye. That's it for this week's episode. Thanks for listening. Make sure to like and subscribe. Um, maybe leave a comment. Only nice ones, though. Mean comments will make Alfie cry, and no one wants to see that. The Marco Kane podcast is written, researched, and presented by Stephen Black and Michael Foley, and edited by Andrew Foley. Music is composed by Stephen Black. If you'd like to get in touch, you'll find us on Twitter at, at Mallow News and at Marco Kane 2 And if you enjoyed this episode, you'll find all the rest wherever you get your podcasts. The Marco Kane is a Mallow News 2 Cubes production. See you next time. Come on. Come on.